Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Ahmaud Arbery was shot and killed in what appeared to be a murder, a lynching, while jogging through a residential neighborhood in South Georgia. Gregory and Travis McMichael claim they thought he was responsible for a string of burglaries in the area and that they were making a kind of citizen's arrest while their friend William Bryan filmed. This took place in February 2020, and initially none of these men were arrested. It took several months for there to be any arrests, not until May of 2020. Now jury selection began today in their trial. What are the charges against... Gregory and Travis McMichael and William Bryan. Well, in the state case, the Georgia state case in the county of Glynn against those three, there are a total of nine counts. Count one is for the offense of what's called malice murder. In other jurisdictions, you might know it as first degree murder. Claims that the three of them did unlawfully with malice aforethought cause the death of Ahmad Arbery. Counts two through five are what are called felony murder. That is the killing of a person in the commission of a felony. The felonies being aggravated assault, false imprisonment, Assault with a firearm, a deadly weapon, and then assault with their pickup trucks. Those are the four felony murder counts. There are two aggravated assaults, which you've just heard. False imprisonment and criminal attempt to commit a felony. Now, that's just in the state case. It's important to note that right now there is also a federal case against the three of them. These are separate charges in the United States. States can pursue charges against individuals while the federal government separately are able to do so. The federal government is charging the three of them of interfering with the civil rights of Mr. Arbery and causing his death, attempted kidnapping, and use of a firearm during a crime of violence. Those are all under Title 18 of the U.S. Code. So those are the charges against these three individuals in state court and in federal court. It is the state trial that is underway. In particular, in the state trial, what do we look out for to be sure that the jury selection is fair? If you're the prosecution, what are you going to really look for and insist on? 
Well, let's start with that whole idea that jury selection is fair. This is a very fraught topic that is much debated in the United States amongst many different parties, but in particular, um, civil rights and minority groups who have alleged that over the centuries, these peremptory challenges saying that, oh, I just don't select this juror because of whatever were always pretext for, we're not always, but we're often pretext to remove a black juror, potential juror, if it was a black defendant, for example. And the white prosecutors would do that. This is what is often alleged. And I think that there's a fair amount of evidence that, especially in the in the past, that that happened. So now uh, there are new rules being put in place. I don't believe Georgia has any of them at this point to stop some of these kind of race challenges other states have have brought forth some of those rule changes. However, here in Georgia, which is where we're talking about Glynn County, which is all the way down on the coast near Florida in that part of Georgia, not up by Atlanta, uh, the prosecutors are going to be looking for jurors who have not been tainted. Both, both sides right now, the big challenge, why they're interviewing, as I understand it, a thousand potential jurors in Glynn County is to try and find 16, 12 jurors and four alternates who haven't formed an opinion on their guilt or not at this point. Obviously, the prosecution would love to see jurors who are tending toward these guys did it, um, but they can't ask that question directly and and the defense will will object and, and that juror will be removed from the pool as a potential juror. So prosecutors want to find somebody who is open-minded to the idea that these three individuals participated in the murder of Ahmad Arbery. And the defense, of course, was looking for the opposite. I mean, not necessarily the opposite, but they want people who are open-minded and not already prejudged to their guilt. And this is a very hard thing to find. And again, this is why that is it is being discussed that there's about two weeks of jury selection that's going to happen here to try to find 16 out of a thousand in this little county in southeast Georgia who have not already formed an opinion on this case. Some would say that pressure from advocates and activist groups put on the governor, the attorney general, the Georgia Bureau of Investigations is at least part of the reason that these men are on trial for this at all. Is there anything the public can legally do to help ensure a fair trial? Well, the most important thing that the public can do in this case as the trial moves forward is to not make any attempt at all to contact any potential juror or once the jury is selected, any juror that that is. And by the way, that is a crime to tamper with a jury. So do not interfere with any juror. Don't try and seek them out. Don't dox them. Don't do any of that. That is the most important thing right now for the public is to actually stay as far away as possible from these potential jurors. And and again, once the jurors are selected, so there can be a fair jury selected to determine what crimes these three individuals may be guilty of. 
I mean, the video is very difficult to watch. It's hard to imagine that they're not guilty of something in the causing of the death of Ahmad Arbery. Um, the other thing to keep in mind here, too, speaking of the amount of time that passed, is the former DA herself has been indicted for failing to fulfill her duties. And the indictment itself is rather interesting when you read it. It's from the grand jury in the Superior Court of Glynn, state of Georgia. And this grand jury says the count one charge and accused Jacqueline Lee Johnson with the offense of violation of oath of public officer. And they go down, they go through and, and ex, explain how she did this on or about February 23rd. She violated the above provision of her oath of district attorney by showing favor and affection to Greg McMichael during the investigation. This is horrible. Count two, uh, the grand jurors further charge and accuse her with the offense of obstruction and hindering a law enforcement officer knowingly and willingly. This is again, according to the grand jury indictment, hinder Stephanie Oliver and Stephen Lowry, law enforcement officers of Glynn County Police Department in the lawful discharge of their official duties. So activists were right to bring attention to the case Activists must stay out of the way so they don't interfere in the trial itself now that it's underway. In addition to the fact that Jackie Johnson was charged with misconduct for interfering with police at the scene... Does the fact that this defense that they're using, that this they, this citizen's arrest, that this law was repealed, does it serve as evidence against McMichael and Brian? That will almost certainly not be allowed to be used as evidence. The repeal of a law after the this events happened can't be used to demonstrate the problem with that law in this circumstance. By the way, that citizen's arrest law, which has since been repealed by the state of Georgia, it dated back to the Civil War era. And it basically said that you could detain someone they had seen, seen, they had seen committing a serious crime. And if the subject, suspect was trying to escape, and would only allow deadly force in carrying out the arrest when it's limited to self-defense or times when it's absolutely necessary to prevent certain serious crimes. So I don't know that that whole idea of citizen's arrest is going to hold anyway, because when you look at those surveillance videos that we have, there's no serious crime happening. There's no absolute necessity to prevent certain serious crimes, not at least based on my view. I mean, obviously that's up to the jury, but boy, that, that does not look like a strong defense in this case. Let's say Gregory and Travis McMichael are found not guilty and William Bryan is found not guilty. Then later, after the fact, a juror is found out to be racist. Can they be charged with anything civilly or criminally? So it's very rare 
that a single juror expressing a racist view after the fact is going to have any effect either on the trial, which could be declared a mistrial if there was a juror misconduct is what that's called. Um, however, the, the precedent from the Supreme Court of the United States is typically that there has to be at least two jurors that are harboring and expressing openly these types of racist notions for it to have an effect on the outcome of the trial. So a single juror expressing a racist view after the fact won't have an outcome. But juror misconduct can cause a mistrial. If a juror conducts themselves in such an egregious manner, they could be charged uh, by the court again in those circumstances. Very rare um, and, and very difficult. It is possible though. As jurors, why do we have to give up our privacy in the selection process? For example, as I was watching this jury selection process with Linda Dunikowski asking the question, if anyone was a felon, uh, it's a sensitive question and you have to identify yourself and raise your hand in a room full of people in a small town that maybe you weren't ready to share that information with. Um, why do we have to give up our privacy like that? Well, first off, the question of whether or not you're a convicted felon is actually public record. So that's not giving up privacy in, in that circumstance. Well, you're put on the spot and asked and you don't have a chance. You don't have a choice whether or not to answer as opposed to sure anyone can look that up. But to be put on the spot is not different. Yeah, that's just not how the court views it. The court views a question like that as a question regarding public record. And that is could pertain um, depending on what your felony conviction was. And I'm sure that would have been the follow up question. It had a potential juror said, yes, I'm a convicted felon. What were you convicted of? Um, if you were convicted of a crimin falsi crime, uh, for example, you would likely be automatically removed from the potential jury pool. Um, and if you were convicted of murder, for example, or a civil rights violation, you would likely be removed as well because those are directly related to the case at hand. But to your point, they do ask personal questions in the jury selection process such as, do you know any of the three individuals um, who have been charged? Do you know the deceased? Um, it, that these are real and personal questions that will be asked, including things like, have you read articles about this case? And if so, have you formed an opinion about it? These are important to be able to determine whether or not a potential juror is biased going in to the start of the trial. Thank you for listening to Law Junkies Show. Please subscribe to us on YouTube and Apple Podcasts. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts if you like the show. Follow us on social media, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And visit us at lawjunkieshow.com. You can send us a message there on the contact form or at info at lawjunkieshow.com. We love to get your questions, comments, and ideas for upcoming shows, and send us your legal questions. Disclaimer, Law Junkie Show, including its guests and hosts, 
are not giving out legal advice, but discussing general legal issues. Law Junkie Show does not guarantee that the legal issues discussed are fully accurate, and it's not specific to whatever legal issues you may be experiencing. None of this advice is to be acted upon in your situation. Please seek legal advice from a licensed attorney in your jurisdiction for your individual legal matter.